Welcome to Filmstrip, featuring Ron. This is one of my patients prior to surgery. Brian. The technology. And Jay. An image form inside of my mind. This podcast episode will be spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and details of the film. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Brian. And I'm Ron. This is our review of After Last Season, starring Jason Coolis and Peggy McClellan. Written, produced, and directed by Mark Regan. Released in 2009 on a budget of $5 million. Gross maybe 40 bucks at the box office. <laughs> released in four theaters. And in fact, the distribution company asked the theaters to burn the prints rather than return them after opening weekend. was for sale for about 20, 25 bucks. It's on DVD for a limited time. But now that's no longer available except in bootleg circles, uh, from what I understand. So, you know, last time, this was kind of our two-headed monster of, you know, the worst things possible ever. And Ron, you offered up uh, the delicious The Room uh, from Tommy Wiseau, and we had some fun with that. And then I offered this one up, though, as the worst thing possible that could ever be seen. And uh, I'm going to be curious to see what you guys think of it, because this all started for me because of a guy that used to write at Ain't It Cool News under the tag Massa Worm. It's C. Robert Cargill's his real name. He's an author, and he actually wrote... uh, Sinister, and I think he's worked on a couple of the screenplays, and he's working on Sinister 2 now, and stuff like that. But he used to do a worst of list and did a podcast that went along with it with some other friends. And so I heard him do this worst of roundup, and just the whole room was going, ah, I'd never even heard of that, you know, whatever. And he just kept on and on about it. And then I read his article about it, and it became an obsession of mine that, like, I must see this. This, this seems like the worst thing that could possibly ever exist. I finally got a copy of it watched it and since then i haven't stopped trying to get other people to watch it i gave it to two co-workers at work that you know like obscure movie movies we went to lunch and neither one of them could make sense out of it these are like really intelligent people so you know i've i've shared it with all kinds of folks and i've basically begged everybody in film strip to do this <laughs> forever <laughs> and uh, finally you know finally got you into it ron because you're you seem to be down with whatever <laughs> and which is which is cool and brian i like we said last time i just drug you along for the ride so uh <laughs> so whether you and wanted i appreciate to, it <laughs> yes whether you wanted to be here or not that was what we were gonna do and so uh so when you when you shared it with intelligent people and that didn't work your next stop was to drag it to me <laughs> <laughs> my next stop was to get it in front of people i knew could podcast about it that was the thing for me like it, that was the challenge for years among my it's friends gonna that, be the challenge tonight too <laughs> <laughs> well, you know my i have I have friends that they've never been on this podcast that have no, we do these podcasts and stuff, Brian, a lot of them listen to the Buffy show, the art of slaying. And they like have seen this movie and they've heard me talk about it. And they have challenged me like write a plot summary for this. And it has been, it's like, it's like my podcasting white whale to actually go through this and see if there's anything that can be discerned or learned from it. And I, I want to say now guys, since I got my hands on, on this thing, moons ago i have probably seen it all the way through at least 10 times i watched it maybe four just for this review i know i've seen it that many times and i just need to ask off the top how many times did you get have to watch it or did you get through it in one sitting i got through it in one sitting (laughs) i I split it in half the first time because i kept falling asleep during the um (laughs) interminable (laughs) cgi (laughs) Then I watched the end of it, then I was like, all right, I got to watch the whole thing. Maybe it'll make more sense. I'm awake now, blah, blah, blah. I watched it again. Then I watched it a second time. 
and yeah, it still doesn't really <laughs> hold water, so to speak. Yeah. So, I mean, it, they, the stories behind this thing are amazing. If you go read some of the reviews of it, I mean, when it came out, everybody thought it was like a joke. That there's This is like some sort of viral campaign to promote another movie. And then when it actually occurred, they were like, no, this is for real. <laughs> and then they interviewed the director, who apparently stopped taking interview requests because people kept asking him, was this just a scam or is this for real? <laughs> he was like offended <laughs> by that or something. I don't know. I've never heard of Mark Regan. I don't know if that's even a real person. There's a, there's a good conspiracy theory on the internet that that is a, you know, one of those Alan Smithy kind of fake names out there. But um, And that it covers up a lot of people's <laughs> um, transgressions, shall we say, <laughs> that, that made their way into this film. But I don't know. To to be debated, I guess, as we get into it. But uh, I'm I'm, I'm curious to know, though, Brian, you got through it in one sitting. That's that's pretty amazing. I didn't think that was possible because I I didn't even do that. And how many times I watched it? So uh, yeah. I don't. I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I had gotten sick and I was down to the wire, so I just had to suffer through the damn thing. <laughs> Well, it is 91 minutes of your life that you'll never get. That's <laughs> yes, true. Well, Jay, since you're the one who dragged us both into this, why don't you give us the plot summary? Okay. Well, as if this is going to help. <clears throat> Two neurosurgery interns, Matthew Andrews and Sarah Austin, work for the Prorolis Corporation and in doing an experiment with computer chips that allow one-way transmission of thoughts to uh, be projected as 3D images. Matthew and Sarah start with simple experimentations of thought uh, projections, uh, but the visions become increasingly strange and violent. Sarah starts having visions of a serial killer who has already struck the campus. Matthew tries to see if they can prevent the next killing and catch the murderer through further experimentation where they try and follow the path of the killer. Somewhere along the way, a ghost or an invisible force or, I don't know, the D-force intervenes and begins moving rubber-made objects around a room. Um, and as we learned, it may have been the ghost of a previous victim or maybe not. And in the not-so-clear climax, we realize the bulk of what we've seen in Acts 2 was some kind of dream that Matthew had, but he may also be psychic because he nor Sarah have actually used the chips, but some of those things even exist. The killer begins to actually attack the lab again, and Matthew realizes he's had a vision of this, and with the ghost or the force of the dead classmate intervening to knock the killer out with a chair, he and Sarah call the authorities and escape alive. The FBI shows up, or someone wearing a jacket that says FBI shows up, and reveals that the killer was trying to get his hand on experimental technology from the Prorolis Corporation, experimental computer chips that allow one-way transmissions of thoughts to be projected as 3D images. So, Matthew and Sarah may have been right all along, even though none of their sequences with those apparently ever happened. So that's as good as I can summarize it. It's a lot of two people sitting in a room with their eyes closed and uh, sticky notes on the side of their head. And then what could probably pass for Windows 98 screensaver work um, going on in the background. It's elementary animation work is what it is. No, that's, so, yeah, that's not yes. nearly advanced enough to be Windows 98. <laughs> right, yeah, that's way back when. Uh, so let me get this straight, because I, I did not catch this. Okay. The killer was after those chips in the dream? The, the, no, he has a dream, which turns out to be exactly the way the attack goes down in the lab at the end. In other words, uh -huh. yeah. the killer was someone who had worked for that company and was trying to get his hands on that technology. And everyone he had killed at some time or another had been connected to the 
lab to the technology or something like that. And what we were to believe is that Matthew read that you remember there was a random piece of paper like you would just print out off your desktop, but it was supposed to be a news article. And he had read that, fallen asleep, and in his you know psychic awareness had dreamed all of this up. That's that's what we are to believe. And I got that again because I've seen this ten times. And, and it's been a, it took Crap. several to really get it. So, wow, yeah. Do you ever do you ever sit and think that that's nine hundred minutes of your life that have just <laughs> gone up in smoke? I haven't until you said it until you said it like that. But because I'm an insomniac, it was time when I would have just been sleeping anyway. So because I mostly watch this late at night, and I will say now, if if you're able to actually get a copy of this, folks, legally. And and watch it. I, I don't recommend doing it alone, as I've had my compatriots do or myself. I don't think this film was meant to be consumed alone. Um, and and I think it would actually help if you had other people there to support you. To I make, think it'd help if you had pot. I don't know that it would. I think cloud, or beer. clouding your judgment may may make it even worse. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> it might make some sense out of it. <laughs> well, I think you need some kind of like coke or speed to stay away <laughs> lsd I th- oh yeah i think right if you on. watched it if you watch it in 15 minute chunks and then like take a break like you're studying for a chemistry exam or something you might actually be able to get through it and make sense of it so uh it's not easy to discern i think as bad as the room was um it, it, there was a story lying underneath all of that bad 80s uh r&b or 90s r&b and sex scenes there was a story underneath all of that and this one the story's buried so deep it's like philip k dick woke up out of his grave and said i don't get it but it's along the same lines because some of the few things i've been able to read from the director or he talks about we wanted to do a terrifying psychological thriller that you know was it real was it night it, it was it not is it about the frightening future where we can read thoughts and project thoughts and what if a psychic got a hold of that and would it mess them up you know and all this kind of out of random stuff and i just i don't know i i find that to be really interesting because again the the art the artistic community has has come out and said either this is like the greatest piece of anti-cinema ever in other words it's just so off the wall there's you know it's not meant to be understood or it is the complete and utter failure of people sincerely trying to do something who are totally inept at it not even totally but they just none of them did anything after this by the way none of the crew None of the crew did. One of the actresses or a couple of the actresses have done something. I've actually seen the uh, Criminal Minds episode where our lead, Peggy McClellan, is the uh, featured victim of the week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Someone better. probably saw the movie and was pissed and said, I need to hire her so I can kill her. It says, it says <laughs> on her IMDb page, known for after last season. And I was like, oh. I don't know that you want to be known for it, but uh, I don't know. I don't know where these people are from. I don't know any of this stuff. The accents are off to me, all of it. But let's just let's just get right into it, okay? And talk about our two lead characters because they're, they're who we're going to spend all of our time with here. Matthew and Peg, and Matthew and Sarah, rather. I call him Peggy in the notes. Let me change that. Matthew and Sarah. What do you think about old uh, old Matthew uh, uh, here? You know, any if, initial impressions off of this guy? Dork. <laughs> he he makes oatmeal look exciting. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he definitely is, and I don't know why this idea was there. Did you get the sense that like he had a thing going for this girl, maybe, or kind of liked her a little bit, but wasn't really 
you hip know. enough to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> I got nothing out of him on that at all. I got a fa- I got the feeling that he was so super pumped about his stupid psychology questions that he didn't care who was there. <laughs> yeah, that's actually kind of the take I got out of it too. Like he was way more interested in in uh, probing her mind than other things. <laughs> than probing other parts. <laughs> well, that may be true because he's all about that questionnaire, right? And oh, God. The way, the way it opens, though, is we are introduced to the doctor, I guess, who is their internship supervisor. We're going to get into this whole idea of this internship in a minute, though. But we're, we're seeing people who are coming in for an MRI. Have either well, of you yeah. ever had an MRI before? I have. No. No, I've not. You know, I, I can tell you, it, it it is nothing like the experience that is portrayed on the screen. Do you think the MRI machine costs maybe 35 cents to put together with the construction <laughs> paper and the way it was laid out? It looks like we just I went into Ron's... It cost 35 cents. <laughs> it's get. like we went into your extra bedroom, Brian, and just shot this. Yes. So uh, we didn't even get introduced to that guy at first. At first, we got introduced to some nurse and... <laughs> A guy who ends up being part of the end. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the uh, the FBI agent. <laughs> yeah, the FBI agent is in for a, an MRI scan of some kind. Because he's got Parkinson's. Right, but he's I don't know what uh, he doesn't show any of the classic signs thereof. Not well, that I can see. Just that his hands shaking. Yeah, but that he could have got that from drinking too much coffee that morning. That, well, exactly. That didn't look real at all. Like that, you know. Somebody watched. And he is an FBI agent, so I'm sure he drinks a lot of coffee. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> so I, I think well, they're just trying to set up the whole MRI and the the brain waves of somebody normal versus someone who's psychotic or different. But they never pay that off in any way. Exactly. Wait, are we sure that uh, speaking in a monotone voice and reading off a cue card isn't one of the symptoms of Parkinson's? <laughs> Well, you know what? The thing is, is from his beginning of his performance, the, from the first time we see him to the end of time, that last performance, it was like one take on his <laughs> lunch break or something. He's just stammering over every line. And you need the, another scene. And, hey, and, and, and look, it took me several viewings to realize those were the same people. <laughs> and oh, I, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's that's the guy from the beginning. Because <laughs> so, I think my mind gets so warped by the animation that I just can't. I, just can't I figured it out when the hand was shaking. <laughs> there, there we go. There, you were paying more attention to it than I was. Then, so congratulations. So, But the, the whole bit here is that the Prorolis Corporation is some kind of neurosurgery company not a clinic <laughs> and they're doing some kind of brain research and they're gonna have neurosurgeon interns do neurosurgeons even intern like that i would i would imagine i would they assume don't. so yes really did that yeah that well i have a i have a, a brother-in-law in uh radiology and okay. he's interning so. okay okay and that includes interning on dead people so you know okay but do they call it interning or is it like yeah he's actually resi- residency nope it's intern because oh, okay. he's still in college. Uh, they don't oh, go residency okay. until after they graduate. Okay. So is this uh, 45-year-old lead character supposed to be <laughs> in college? I, maybe he got a late start in life because he started out as a truck driver or something. I'm going to take another picture. <laughs> so. <laughs> that, yeah, Brian has just simulated the MRI sound. <laughs> For all of you, maybe after. I think I did a better job. <laughs> You're probably related to the Foley artist of this. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, truth be told. So, 
<laughs> okay, so, you know, I don't know. I just found that to be a really odd – well, the whole thing is just strange anyway, but I found it to be an odd entrance. And then Matthew and Sarah, I wrote in my notes, meet not so cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, she walks into a room, and he knows who she is, but she has no idea who he is at first. And they have what may pass for the most awkward conversation I've ever seen put to 35 millimeter. I mean, I thought like Denny and the conversation with Lisa and Johnny was kind of weird when they were all in the bedroom throwing pillows at each other. But now you got nothing on this. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Wait, this was this was shot on 35 millimeter. This was shot on 35. Yes, sir. <laughs> wow, what a waste of film stock. You want to know why it looks so bad? There's actually a reason for this. They had the camera and they had the film. They had no lights. They only had the ambient lighting of the room. Shocked. So that's why it looks like your grandmother's <laughs> video camera. <laughs> so, that... so so it's almost like a, a Dogma 95 <laughs> style break all the rules. <laughs> Yep. No artificial light, no artificial music. I, I want to know what they spent the five million dollars on. That is a great question. the The answer to that generally is the computer animation <laughs> took up oh, a bulk of the budget. Good God! <laughs> but we'll this get was that. in two thousand nine. Yeah, this was done in two thousand and eight, and then released in two thousand nine. So yeah, were they wow. doing it in Fortran? <laughs> <laughs> it was. It is an old uh, AutoCAD program of some kind. Holy crap! So they had to go like on eBay, right, to buy like a vintage Commodore sixty four. <laughs> Probably before then that they had mainframe. to bring in, yeah. Then they had to bring in the world's only remaining Wang terminal <laughs> programmer to do the special effects. Had to be. I I, didn't, I did. I've hung around and watched the credits, and I've never been able to really discern who was doing what when as a part of this film. So there are people credited as animation team. So, and it's it's a big part of the. It's a company too, I think. If you've ever watched the trailer, there are and look the, the actual reason I'm, I'm just going to give you what the director says is we wanted stuff that would look like experimental technology, so it was state of the art but not fully fleshed out. That's just that's their reasoning. I'm I'm just telling you what they what they were saying. So I didn't say it, made but the sense. images were so clear. <laughs> <laughs> it, so, it was like can, uh, that scene in Lawnmower Man. When he goes into oh, cyberspace. God, yeah. yeah, but there was no cyberspace. Except for that was in the early 90s. So. And, and the special <laughs> effects still look better than yes, this. Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, if you've seen Lawnmower Man, folks, you've well, as again, if you've seen your Windows 98 screensaver, you've seen better animation. Oh. So, um, Can it, I ask what the yes. point of, of showing the, the uh, roommate was? Uh, yeah, let's talk about that. I don't know. Uh, other than to pay off the line that she lays out about, I never see my roommate because she's always busy interning at this company. And like for two seconds, Sarah runs in and then runs out with her backpack. Well, yeah, but then they have a conversation later. Yeah, there's like a there's a nine minute conversation and they have another <laughs> letter. I don't know. I never see her. Hey, how's it going? Let's catch up. I thought for a long time she was the nurse in the MRI room at the beginning, but she's not. That's a different person. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know who that is. Is she supposed to be a different person, or is this like a uh, we had to recast her? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. I don't know if they were. I I don't know because the nurse is not named. So I I don't know. That's a good question. I I don't know what the purpose of Sarah's roommate and her next door friend. And they were talking like they lived in a dorm, but it's clearly not. It's sort of oh, like an apartment. Right? Oh, what but is it? 
it's Actually, a warehouse. It looks like, yeah, like you went down to the local, you know, Walmart distribution center and used their offices at night. Right. Something to, to figure <laughs> that, out what. Let's, let's talk about the sets here. Go for I it. mean, holy crap. It's like, hey, what do you got in your house that you're not using? Just bring it. We'll just throw it somewhere. Bet, better you, can, can we use your house? Well, I got a pink room with a ceiling fan. No problem. That looks like every MRI well, I'll just room slap, I've ever been. I'll just slap a pegboard over here. <laughs> And we'll get, oh, here, I got some old wrapping paper. We'll put it on the wall. Oh, there's just a little bit, but it's okay. We'll use that for wallpaper. It'll just look cool. Guys, yeah. the, the best part is that the the wallpapering is wallpaper with, like, dot matrix printer paper. Did y'all see that? Oh, my God, no. Yes, you, <laughs> I, I noticed that. Where do you even find dot matrix printer paper anymore? I oh, know. It's still around, guys. There's still <laughs> companies that use dot matrix to print shit. Invoices, mostly. <laughs> That must be where they spent their five million dollars. They had to buy like a gross <laughs> of dot matrix paper to build to build their MRI machine and to cover up the flowery border on that pink wallpaper. Oh my it's, god, it's pretty horrible. Yeah, uh, the signage is awesome. Arrows going left and right with no explanation of what that means. The two arrows. What is that? There's two arrows right next to each other. One pointing to the left. One pointing to the right. But nothing to tell you what's that way or that way. Just two arrows. It's in case you didn't know the hallway went both directions. <laughs> right? Look, it's a T. You can take either turn. I was just going to say, I didn't even know my grandmother had an MRI machine made out of paper. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely had that look to it, did it not? It was, uh, yeah, it's it's a poor staging. And look, we're we're talking about what we see, guys, in, in, folks, in like the first 10 minutes. All right? This is, this is all the setup. And in the first 10 minutes, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I don't understand this. There's no plot happening. I don't even know people's names until she walks into the room and they start talking and having that awkward conversation. I don't know who anybody is. It's <laughs> it's almost like it's the Bertolt Brecht, you know, <laughs> way of just throwing you in and throwing you off. But it's done incredibly poorly. I would just like to bring up that I don't know if you noticed, but Matthew and Sarah are dressed Basically the same. Yes, they're the same thing. Like she is dressed like him. They went to the discount Oxford button-down shirt store, <laughs> and everyone and they Maybe bought they a gross. Of- no, we have to describe this. This woman is wearing a pair of low-rise hip hugger jeans, but she has got a full long-sleeve button-up shirt, buttoned to the neck, full sleeves, and tucked in. So her waist yep. looks like it's around her knees. So, yes. It is the worst fashion statement ever. It doesn't even look like she's wearing like a women's shirt. No. It looks like she's wearing a small man shirt that they just had happened because this guy, uh, Mark Regent, apparently has a job at like a, you know, Value City clothing store. <laughs> if you remember it's Value City. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's where I bought all my dress shirts in high school. Yeah. And they all looked like that. <laughs> Yeah, I can see it. I mean, yes, they are dressed exactly the same, though. And I was going to ask you guys, is there some sort of significance to that? Because as we'll find out, they both may or may not be somewhat psychic. I I would assume they're not. Because it was all a freaking dream. Well, yeah, but then in the end, they know what is going on. So they had some sort of premonition. Yeah, because they get out of the damn way. Well, <laughs> no, they got a guy attacking them. Well, yeah, I know, but they get, gonna get out of the way. But yeah, but they, they get out of the way because they're expecting the ghost to intervene. Like okay, well, I think <laughs> there's a small clip in this film where he's reading a newspaper article about some serial killer in Minnesota, yeah. right? 
Yep. I'm guessing that's where they learned the, what's going on. The killer of Ed Brown. Yes, that's kind of the the starting of the the thing because part of their awkward conversation is three homicides in four months because she's waiting to get in and see the doctor who apparently is doing therapy with someone who found Ed Brown's body. You know, and, and victims with similar stab wounds. I was right. like, who who releases that to the news? I, look, I watch a lot of Criminal Minds, okay, <laughs> and I'll, maybe, maybe too much, but I'm like, they don't they don't tell nobody nothing till they got something. <laughs> you know, they, cops don't you know don't release anything if they don't have to. So in terms of that kind of information, so I just I found that to be really I don't know funny that they, he knew all this. So. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I've just invented this crazy theory, Sarah isn't real. Wow. That's <laughs> that's how Matthew sees himself and when he puts those chips on his head or when he has his dream, he's interacting with his true self in some sort of bizarre milk toast Glenn or Glenda sort of way. Very interesting. But then how do you explain the end where she's like testing the ma- range of motion for someone who had surgery for her Parkinson's or something like that? <laughs> so cause she that's, shows him, that's him and his mother Bates outfit. It's, oh, wow. Now we're making this movie good. <laughs> now, now, maybe he's maybe he's gone ahead and gotten the surgery and, and you know, he's living uh, he's living out in the crowd, you know. After he's, after last season two, the he's mother. Now, yeah, he's now Laura Jane Grace, and it's just going <laughs> to. I've never thought of that, but uh, well, wow. I don't think anyone I, has. I, you said, <laughs> I said, you you know, that I asked you, Brian, or I asked both of you if you, you know, thought that he was, you know, maybe sweet on her a little bit or whatever, and you said you didn't get any of that at all. I swear, <laughs> the end of this thing begins with him, like, hitting on her and her sort of flirting back with him with that whole questionnaire thing. Like those would be really weird questions to ask on a dinner date. (laughs) Yeah. But I wouldn't get a second one if I did that. (laughs) You know, I'm sure you've never had one in the first place. (laughs) Well, either of them though, because she comes off just as crippling nerdy. I agree. Mm -hmm. They're psychology students. Let's let's was their neurosurgeon students even better. So let's talk about Sarah. We've talked about Matthew and his approach. If Sarah, let's say she's an actual person and not his uh, the alter ego or whatever, what you <laughs> what you make of old Sarah here, guys? What can you make of her? I don't get any character out of her at all. <laughs> with with that that forty five year old woman haircut. Oh, it, that it, awful. Yes. Yeah, uh, I just it was like. You know, I've got some friends who've done community theater for like 20 years. I'll just make a movie with them as the stars. <laughs> and then you get something that is even worse than community theater. <laughs> well, can I ask, does anyone else believe that a lot of this was ad-libbed on set? Because I can't imagine anyone writing the shit that was in this movie. It was actually written. What you see a lot of, though, no is... Way. It was there's actual script to this. The way it was shot was it was directed and shot one line at a time in and out of sequence. What? Like, like as most films are, but like literally, like in same scenes, they would shoot dude talking about stuff, girl talking about stuff, and then they had that random two shot, and they would just feed them a line, feed them a line, feed them a line, feed them a line. The fact that the editing is not jumpier is amazing. Because apparently that's how this was shot. Well, in order to have jumpy editing, you have to move the camera. <laughs> and slowly to the right one time. <laughs> I did count that, and I thought it was hilarious. But yeah, but they fed them one line at a time, apparently, and they never so really knew what they were getting. literally sat down and wrote the words to this shit, <laughs> said, this is great. Someone it- proofread it and said, 
you got a hit. Have you ever read one of Sylvester Stallone's scripts from the 80s? It ain't much different. So. Uh, I got to imagine it can't be this bad. I mean, <laughs> no, nothing is this bad, obviously. <laughs> but it ain't much better, man. So I'll just But he won so. an Oscar. I know, which is one of the most amazing feats of all time. So their whole thing is they're going to schedule a follow-up session. And what Act 2 turns into is supposed to be the follow-up session, but it's really all taking place in Matthew's head. So let's blow that right now that that happens. And I want to just want to say this. I hate that in movies. It is, seems like such a cheap cop-out when they do this stuff. I talked about this, Brian, when we reviewed Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, that it killed me that that great chase scene at the beginning was nothing but in her head. I was like, damn it, the best action in the whole thing, and it's all in her freaking head. That drives me insane. Well, my theory was that whole movie was in her head. but Well, yeah, and I think that's what Zombie intended, to dovetail onto that. But in this, like the whole, the whole middle 45 minutes is nothing but in this dude's head. I was blown away, and in a bad way. Watching this horrible, horrible CGI or computer animation or whatever, and them sitting there and making it out like it's the clearest picture they ever had, uh, and then all of a sudden to have it be him dreaming the whole time, I was just like, what the fuck was the point of that? Why put that in the movie? And now because- it makes sense because you're telling me that there's actually chips that this guy's going after, but what the fuck? Well, you had to put it in the movie because – they need filler to make it 90 minutes. So you need 15 minutes of, you know, Minecraft level um, <laughs> CGI because it's not like you could do the thing they did in the 50s where Roger Corbin would show everyone, every time anybody was driving, you would see them stop the car and park <laughs> because that would eat up precious screen time. Every time, every time you saw anybody drive, they would stop and park. And that wow. would be that was the whole point was, well, we got to make this thing at least 85 minutes or no one's going to screen it. Well, I, I don't disagree with that, that that may have been the theory, but they wanted to get to these graphics. And the whole point here is that this company is experimenting with chips. Now, this should be said that. Matthew is running some kind of questionnaire because as I, having been an intern before, you're always running some kind of test and fellow interns play with each other's tests. All the time. I didn't bump into that too much because I thought, yeah, I, I get that. That makes sense. The second part of it apparently is just more questions, but in his dream state here, it's okay. We've got <laughs> these chips and I mean, they look like little, I don't even know what they are. It's like little black <laughs> dots. that just stick on their heads, right? There's no, it's a, wa- it's a, it's a Listerine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know exactly what it is. Have you ever seen those pins where they have the little page tabs? Yes. It's one of the, it's the little page tab. <laughs> like you're supposed to use that to mark the page you're in, in a book. Or I guess to transfer thoughts back and forth. (laughs) And I now realize that we are dealing with people that don't even have the ingenuity to at least rig up a bunch of random wires, like streaming from your PlayStation 1, and you could have made it look more realistic than what this thing is. I mean, it's like they, they... Totally communicate wirelessly. There's not a computer in the room. Oh, well, there's a husk of an old desktop over to the side, but, but it's it's just the hole. There's no you know parts to it. There's yeah. nothing hooked these things up. There's no on and They're off. Not on. Yeah, they just put them on their heads and then close. The, and the thing is, he makes this big deal 
about the rules of the chips that you got to close your eyes, you got to clear your mind, except if the background noises of either airport traffic or toilet flushing that we're going to get into in a minute. And then he can he can see her thoughts, but they have to reverse the chips and she has to ask him questions to be able to see his thoughts. Right. I got that right. Yeah, that was correct. And they chips looked identical to me, so I don't know how they knew which one was which. You said the toilet's flushing in the background. Come on. What is with the sound? It sounds sometimes like a plane taking off. It sounds like a gurgling toilet, or I don't know. What is that sound in the background? I thought it was like something in a blender. Or like, you know how you turn a blender on and it's empty and it just kind of makes that whirring noise? Mm-hmm. That's that's about the best I got for you. <laughs> well, I I was curious, too, as to what the noise was. Brian, it's, what? It's, yeah. it's, it's probably the fan on whatever ancient computer <laughs> he's making those graphics on kicking on. Because it's it's clearly like gonna melt the chips in that Amiga. It, it was terrible. I mean, it was just guttural noises coming from a like a outside, and they acted like they didn't hear a thing the whole time. So I was just like, I was confused. Okay, and it's distracting too, because at first I, th- I mean, I've always thought, is this supposed to be part of the thing? And then after you know, having seen it so many times, I'm like, no, they just barely didn't filter out any of the noise that was going that was going on off the set. Like they were just like, yeah, there's there's not gonna be any ADR. We're we're doing all of it live right here. Like, I, but the good thing, I don't see a boom mic in one shot. Now, if there's one out there, point it out to me because I I didn't see it. But uh, I I'm sure <laughs> I don't think they like, used boom mics. <laughs> That's the raw audio. <laughs> uh, I, the computer animation, we, we, we touched on this, but uh, how about those birds? Oh, those, those were something special, weren't they? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about what they see the first time. <laughs> they, they're in Sarah's thing. It's like, now just imagine a random shape and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and she just starts dreaming up these weird shapes, and then the birds come out. And what what is that? <laughs> supposed to be it's not even close to what he's asking her for that's what gets me is she is failing the test in every way possible <laughs> and he's like your cl- visions are much clearer than everyone else i mean they're still wrong but at least they're very clear <laughs> yeah well but but i guess we're supposed to believe that none of that's actually even happening anyway so it doesn't matter right it's the randomness of the dream i, I guess it was something to watch that's true and it went on forever <laughs> Forever. Yeah, there there are at least five to six minute scenes, two or three times in this film, where nothing is being said. There's no, there's not even any, you know, discussion going on. It's just, right. yeah, or, or background music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing. It's just animation on the screen. It's awesome. My favorite line of the whole movie comes in this era, though, mm-hmm. when, when when he says to her, "Picture a flat surface, and out of the surface." One letter rises. Her response is from the alphabet. <laughs> no, no, not that. We'll pull a letter from the garbage can. What the hell? No, where no, where else can you pull a letter? To, she's supposed to think of Thorn, that rune from the Halloween series <laughs> that? that gives Michael Powers his druid powers. <laughs> I cannot believe we worked the curse of thorn into this. Awesome. <laughs> that explains everything. <laughs> this is going on down the hall from Jamie giving birth to her baby. Now I get it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so, but you know, a letter does not arise. <laughs> That's what I want to say. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of circles. It's a bunch of spheres <laughs> is what it is. So obviously know that she has no clue what a letter is. 
<laughs> except for that, it may be from the alphabet. I think O counts as a letter. Is mm. is that supposed to be an O? Because boy, those are some poor O's. That's all I want to say. That's... They only had a limited budget for CGI, Jay. <laughs> it's five million. Five million dollars. The two of us could make a Leprechaun film look awesome. They put five million dollars on this movie, and four point nine million of it went into the pocket of the person who made this shit. <laughs> It, I have been told, and he's never done a thing since. <laughs> I, the, again, with the grand conspiracy that it's actually not a person; it was it was a group of people scamming folks. But there's no, there, I mean, there's been nothing about it. This film is as as off the grid as you can get. I mean, it's if it had not, again, if it had not been the random moment of just reading that article here in that podcast, I would never know it existed either. So, um, <laughs> you know, but but again, I I hold it up as you see what I mean. Like, again, in the middle of the room, they, none of us really knew what was happening. Like, there were people getting breast cancer, and then they weren't, and all this stuff. But there were things going on. I can't tell you what happens in the middle of this film, because well, I can tell you what I see, but I don't know what any of it means. And that's the problem. Like, I'm, I'm still struggling to figure out what does any of this mean. It means, it means nothing, Lebowski. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> this movie may, means nothing. Nothing happens of consequence in this movie. <laughs> nothing. I, I really, I'm just going to say, I really like the theory that this is like some kind of five man Uva Bowl style <laughs> money laundering scam. <laughs> it could be. I mean, it really could be. So um, they're paying. They're paying a lot of people to give it good ratings everywhere. That's for sure. Well, we'll get into that as we get to the end here. But I want to get back just a little bit to the second act because in between these scenes of computer-generated images, as they keep calling them, um, or uh, how about the jump cuts back to the lab and what I called imagination land? Because like they're they're randomly walking along and like there's a wall, there's a circle, there's a big, and then you just go to shots of people sitting with their eyes intently closed, and I'm either. Like, if you turn the sound down in this film, you're either watching people uh, sitting and, like, uh, <laughs> doing really bad yoga, or um, I, I don't know I don't know how else to describe it. It's just very, very weird what goes on as they cut in between these people. Uh, yes. <laughs> I can't say anything about this. It's really bizarre. <clears throat> And all I can think of right now is that scene in Demolition Man where they're having sex over the, <laughs> the two vision things. Yes. Would you like to <laughs> sex? Oh, wow. I hadn't thought about that in a long time, bro. but you're right. That's very similar. Wow. <laughs> so are these two sharing a sexual experience while he wanders through her random dreams? <laughs> I think that maybe he is. Because her face at times, I'm not going to lie, it's it's a pretty bad one, but it looks like an O face. I'm not going to lie. It's, I mean, some of what she's doing. Shapes get them off, man. I, I guess. <laughs> Until I the killer comes in. Well... <laughs> The, the killer so yeah um so I, the thing is though like it keeps going and going and then we finally see sarah sees a woman in a room backing up to a wall trying to Do you recognize her yeah no she's a piece of shit poorly animated woman of course who, i don't recognize that's her what i'm asking you who is that supposed to be is that supposed to be the, the roommate person? is that supposed to be the person that gets killed like in the random the home roommate. that gets spliced in between all that did y'all catch the roommate that? man it's the roommate yeah she's the only brunette in this whole film 
they're not that connected to be able to pull that off, are they? Why not? <laughs> what else? It doesn't make sense any other way. Maybe that's the nurse well, that we okay. think might be her in the beginning, and she's getting dream stabbed. No, guys, there's a there's a a person like in the midst of while she's having this vision and relaying it to him through these chips, which is, again is just a dream. But just go with it for a minute. They cut to like this house that's like somebody's computer room, laundry room, where this woman. Oh yeah, is that what that's supposed to be? I think so. <laughs> Who the hell is that? <laughs> what i want to know but they it, cut those scenes and is that the house at the end where they talk about knocking down the wall is that the same place i, I think so yeah it's supposed to be okay you saw the movie because 10 times i'm going like is that where greg's sister and him got killed what happened there that's, that's just downstairs that's just downstairs from the MRI machine. <laughs> it probably was in reality, yes. but yeah, I don't know. And, and the fact, and the um, Parolis Corporation was their unfinished basement. <laughs> it's all in one house, right? So, <laughs> but that's what I I couldn't follow there because after you know, they start seeing these things happen, she sees. How does how do you describe when she sees the killer coming through the wall with the uh, cylindrical? Knife object and no face. That was awesome. It's like a fencing mask, right? Well, because she didn't know who the killer was, so why have a face on there? It's all apparently what? she knows who the woman is, but yeah, which is why I'm wondering who the hell is that <laughs> to her? And your theory about being the roommate could be true. I don't know. I have no clue, man. Ron, you got anything? <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> it's it's inexplicable. I agree. So. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. So that of course freaks them both out. And and what I love is that they're. Are you seeing visions of the killer? Maybe we could catch him before it happens again. And I'm like, well, now we're in an episode of Scooby Doo. So well, I, then my favorite part happens. <laughs> That's exactly Where they're getting attacked by the Invisible Man. Oh, the Invisible... Well, we're going to come to the Invisible Man in just a sec. But before we get but there... it's all part of the dream sequence. I, I know, I know. But it's all him. <laughs> but before that is when he start, they start acknowledging what they're seeing is, maybe it's the killer, and it's old Mr. Johnson, or something oh, like God. that. She, this girl could play a good Velma. You know? <laughs> I mean, she definitely has that going on. That. This guy is not nearly cool enough to be Fred or high enough to be Shaggy, but, you know, he could... He can fit in. He can fit on that special episode of the Flintstones somewhere. So. Maybe we can stuff him in an out in, in a suit and make him Scooby Doo so he won't talk. There we go. Well, or he, or he could talk with that great uh, accent that Scoop has. But oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Sarah. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know what's happening there. But then we do get to your favorite part, like you say, Brian. The Invisible Man attacks them in the lab and starts cutting them on the arm. The best part of that whole scene is he's invisible, yet they know when he's right in front of them. <laughs> That's what I wanted to ask. How did they know? Does he have bad breath? It's, just, it's, man? It's, <laughs> it's probably some dude dressed head to toe in blue. Although they probably didn't have the budget for that. So no, there's nobody there. Okay, these people are acting against nothing. Not credit like that. This is not Hollow Man Three or something like that. They didn't even get that right. So it's no, this is bad. I was just about to make a hollow man joke. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, really, that's that's what happens here is that they're they're being like backed into corners, both of them, 
cut on arms because Sarah's vision woman ha- gets cut on the arm and then they wake up from it. And now it seems to be happening in the lab while boxes move and chairs shift and all manner of paranormal stuff is going down. And then just out of nowhere, Matthew wakes up and he's got a, he's got a, you know, it's been a dream and it's a different day because he's got on a different shirt. He's got on a white shirt. Are you kidding me? Never mind that Sarah's got on the jacket to cover up the blue shirt she's still wearing. He's wearing a different shirt. Yes. And that's when he's, oh, you woke me up. And she's like, are you okay? <laughs> like he had a weird dream. Sorry, I'm late. And the last 45 minutes are pretty much haven't happened. You see this random piece of paper that's on the floor that apparently was supposed to be a Yahoo News article from, I don't know, somewhere that it was about the uh, the corporation's research with chips and all of that in his head and the murders and everything else. And he just dreamed all of this up. Which, if the movie had ended there, would be the greatest F you to the audience of all time. But then they go about staging someone attacking the psychology lab with what looks like the knife you use to cut up chicken fingers in your kitchen. That's <laughs> all he had, man. <laughs> I had to that from the house that was also the MRI machine. That's what makes it so gruesome. <laughs> 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 yeah, because yeah, there's no blood in this movie. Can we spring for some Cairo? And well, there, there's there's some blood in the cutting scenes. Just yeah, the there's some blood in the dream cuttings. Yeah, but how did that, I mean? Really, that looked like a magic marker leaked on you. That was well, well, of that course was, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's still blood. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like they he starts talking to her about all these weird visions, and she's like, "Yeah, that's really weird." And then they just start doing the uh, questionnaire again. You know, like no, well, what the heck, huh? Yeah. But then the killer shows up to attack the lab, right? And he's, he kills somebody. He's wanting to know how to get in the lab. And as he's banging down the door, both of them, now, mind you, he's the only one that had the dream. All right. Mm-hmm. Both of them react to the door and move in unison to get out of the way as if it's just like in the dream we just had. Yeah. As if nobody else had access to the room, right? So that. But as if they had someone's coming in, it must be a killer. But as if but they had both seen it before already. That's the thing that gets me is you know it's only supposed to be in his head, but both of them move, giving credence to your theory, Ron, that they're the same person. Yeah, that's come on now. (laughs) That's basically where I I, I'm not even going to say that I came up with this in that part, but that just seems like more evidence in my part that about my point that The Shining was about the murder of the American Indian. <laughs> what? what? That was as inexplicable as anything in this film. What? I know exactly. <laughs> it was a dream I had. <laughs> so oh, no, I awesome. just, I just think that they forgot that she wasn't supposed to have seen the dream. Oh. And then Mark Region, and I'm using air quotes around that name because that can't be a real person's name, <laughs> and it's an elaborate con scheme. But anyway. <laughs> They're like, all right, this is just like the dream you both had. And then they went back later and shot that scene where he was like, I had this dream. So and it happened later, in other words. Yeah. 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 They just get that out of sequence and and they had to drop the part where she had the dream, too. I, I don't know. What about you, Brian? Well, I got dropped, so I have no idea what you guys talked about. Uh, he, he just said that it, it looked like something that was shot out of sequence. And then later they went back and and shot that scene with him and it was only his dream. But when they directed the version of it with both of them, it was both of their dreams. 
Well, uh, we know this film now was shot out of sequence, so uh, maybe. <laughs> That's pretty clear. I mean, I, I, I don't think they even thought about that. So honestly, I, I would say no. Okay. <laughs> I don't think they thought that that advanced in so, this film. So how did they? What is it that tips Matthew off to let Craig? the invisible ghost force thing <laughs> handle this and, and th- the greatest chair shot I've seen though in a while. That was, has <laughs> got to admit, Brian, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> no, no, it was not. <laughs> I love that though. Just having him stand there like, and he's waiting for it. Yeah. And like five seconds later, it hits him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause he does sort of for it before. It, and it looked like it really got him too. That's the, <laughs> it probably like, did. Like they picked up a chair and he the feet of it. <laughs> it's not even a folding chair. <laughs> yeah. It's a full on hard chair. <laughs> that was awesome. But, uh, yeah. So we, I don't think that anyone clued Craig into help. He just all of a sudden came out of nowhere to help. Well, he got tired of like lifting up the ruler and making it and, and <laughs> that, sliding things around on fishing line. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, so if I'm a neuro whatever yeah. uh, Surgeon. student, right, and I start hearing shit in my head like that, and both of them are hearing it, I think we're both nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God. I think we're both nuts at that point. I think we're all nuts for having watched this thing. Well, well that's true. Yes. <laughs> this is clear. This is clear. But then the end of it is that the FBI agent has shown up <laughs> and has arrested the guy. And he's just sitting in a chair. I guess presumably the one that knocked him out with his hands tied behind his back as this guy fumbles through lines about, yeah, this is the guy that killed these people and these people. And it's all about this research, this corporation and stuff. So what you come to learn is that he was there after the thing that we thought they were using all along. So it all ties back into that. Uh Right. That's what I think they wanted you to believe. Yes. Okay. And was it believable? No. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I then, well, because then they both go on with their lives. Like Sarah goes back to examining patients. Yeah. And he goes back to his computer and hears a sound. Here's the thing. We spent quite a decent amount of time mm-hmm. trying to explain this Craig guy, right? right. Who's now a, a ghost man who can move objects from a parallel universe. And they try to explain it as this guy was after some chips. So was Craig the inventor of this chip? Uh, what was his backstory? Because then we go to his freaking mom's house, <laughs> and this lady's walking through, and she shows a picture of Craig, and that you know he's obviously dead. Yeah. And so it's just like, okay, so is Craig the point of this movie, or is these chips the point of this movie? What was the point of this movie? It's all about the experimentation with seeing other people's minds and being able to, to project visions. And what if a psychic got a hold of that? Wouldn't that be freaky for one of them? If for that, real? And I think that's what it's supposed to be. I, I'm just telling you what I read. I, I don't know what the if, reality is. But if a psychic can already see weird visions and we're going to go out on a limb, <laughs> get visions of the future. And, and why would this be any weirder for them? It should just be like a Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know what Miss Cleo's routine right. is, guys. I'm just saying that. I mean, it would be weird. I mean, it would be weird for like a real person, Miss but Cleo. not like. 
for a psychic, that should just be like, oh, well, this is slightly less weird than usual. <laughs> there's there's no three headed dragon trying okay. to kill me. But you neither know, everybody of, can do what I do. But right? presumably, neither of these people know they're clairvoyant. Like they don't ever talk about as if they're aware of this you know, power that they've got. If you want to go there, I'm just I'm just saying I'm not trying to make excuses for the movie, but that, right. that's what I'm getting out of it is. In, wouldn't it be scary if a company had that kind of technology and what what kind of scary things would it link you into and do you really want to be able to read somebody's mind and get images from it and I, I don't know I mean that seems to be the thesis of the film I, I can't find another one uh, Superman has that ability <laughs> only, <laughs> only when he kisses people so. <laughs> anyway but my question is when do they all become scanners <laughs> that seems like where they're going. Yes, and then it, then they don't, and I wanted that. I needed some head explosions, but we didn't get any of that at the end of this. So, okay, <laughs> they now, would have just taken a they would have drawn a, like a magic marker face on a, like a watermelon. Oh no, it would have been a balloon getting popped. That, that would have oh, been. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Now the most important part of this whole podcast. Yes. We, we throughout this film, mm-hmm. there are random cut scenes to inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yes. I have a theory on this, but I'd like to hear what you think that's about. Ron, please. Well, clearly that's Craig. Like, yeah. watching them from... Boom! That's exactly what I thought, too. Yeah, that's Craig watching them, what, getting a... Once, yeah, once they did, like, the... Once they did, like, the reveal of the ghost, it was like, oh, well, now some of those pointless cutaways <laughs> make sense. Right. I did, and now so I can just go back in and imagine developing it. a dead, invisible man throughout this movie, but nobody else. Right. Awesome. <laughs> That's pretty much what what's happening. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> we need to give some depth to this Craig guy, so we're just gonna randomly film this chair, this couch, uh, that wall. <laughs> This, you wonder this, like like how that yeah. was done in coverage. <laughs> you know, like, look, I want you to go shoot a bunch of just random crap in the room while we're outside shooting the snow where nobody's actually walking. Because right. you know, they, they actually would randomly just cut to the snow outside too. Well, because then they would come in from the outdoors mm-hmm. and take off their coats. Right. But they don't show them walking into the snow. We're just supposed to assume that they've been out in the snow, so now they're coming in. Because yes. we needed that visual to get the idea that they're just coming in from outside. Right, because snow. The coats aren't enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the dialogue. It's right. a little chilly out there. <laughs> Thanks. Well. Is it really? I don't, I don't. Why is it chilly? Oh, there's snow. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Well, guys, unlike a lot of people, we've actually been to this movie and through this movie. So we we know it's small popcorn, but I got to know from you two: is it is it worth going down and trying to find this thing, or is this the worst thing you have ever seen in your life, Brian? I'm going to quote my text to you after finishing this movie. <laughs> my text says. Seriously, this is the most retardedly staged, written, acted, and edited thing I have ever had the privilege of watching. And I think that sums it up. (laughs) I would not recommend anyone suffer through this film if you don't have to. There's just no reason. (laughs) Ron. You know what? Go for it. If you can hunt it down and you want to watch the worst thing since... 
you know, Ray Dennis Steckler uh, <laughs> was shooting the incredibly strange creatures that stopped living and became mixed up zombies, <laughs> then I wholeheartedly recommend you track it down. There are there's a whole cult of people who watch terrible things like this, and you, you know what? Who am I to stop you? And just do your thing, do your terrible thing, and <laughs> you know, enjoy yourself or don't, because you won't, because it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but is it is it the worst thing you've ever seen, Ron? It's it's really up there. Yeah, okay. I'm not gonna go ahead out and say it's the worst thing I've ever seen because. I did see Birdemic. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, I, I, we may have to have a third chapter of this someday I, in the future. <laughs> I could do this. I, I could watch these movies all day long. Let's just, yeah. I've seen. Birdemic I've seen Shock and Terror. Yes. Or Birdemic Two: The Resurrection, because it was so good they made a second one. Oh, Birdemic, uh, Shock and Terror. I haven't seen the second one yet. <laughs> I've been waiting for the Riff Tracks version to come out. <laughs> Well, you go, go ahead and wrap up your final thoughts. Though, if you... So, yeah, if you're a fan of garbage, hunt this down because it, it, it belongs right there with your Troll 2. It, actually, it's worse than Troll 2. Troll 2 was awesome compared to this. <laughs> oh, God, Troll, <laughs> Troll 2 looks like, uh, I don't know, Gandhi compared to this or Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> in, in comparison. This movie is indescribably bad. It's like every bad Philip K. Dick trope thrown into one place. That's that's one way I've, I've been able to describe it. It can't be thoroughly described. I think we've sort of bounced through it as good as we could and I want to thank you guys for taking on the challenge of doing it. I think you both have done it well. But folks, I'm telling you, if, if you're curious at all, watch the trailer that's on YouTube. And If you're curious after that, hit up your local Comic Con. That's about all I can tell you if you're going to try to find one of these because it's uh, it's hard to get, but if if uh, you're into trash cinema, it doesn't get any worse. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> as poorly done as this and done with such a straight face. Like, Troll 2 laughs at itself at some point. Like, I think they even realized how crappy that was going to be. You you know the people in the room <laughs> knew that that was just an insane person <laughs> directing them around, you know? And the people that make, like, Sharknado and that kind of stuff, they know what they're doing. You know, that's that's how that goes. But this, these people actually thought they were doing something, from all I can tell. If it, <laughs> so, uh, oh, okay, I'm just going to throw this question out there. Yeah. Which is worse? After last season, or Manos, The Hands of Fate? I still will hold up after last season as the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, it's, that's fair. <laughs> I, I think that's a getting close to push territory because yeah. there's the interminable driving scene in the beginning of uh, Manos, The Hands of Fate, that just goes on and on for probably 20 minutes of just them driving across the barren West Texas countryside. <laughs> yes, often copied by... Uh, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, I might add, but uh, <laughs> but it seemed to only be able to stage things in that form. But no, this is still the worst thing I've ever seen, and it'll it'll always hold that spot. I don't think you could make a worse film. I made a really bad 15 minute student film when I was in college, and I know it was bad, and I I knew it was bad when I was doing it. Did it anyway. Had a blast with it, and I I'll tell you now, you could follow the plot in that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
And you can't in this one. This one is indescribably bad, but it has been a real joy to roll through it with you two and kind of talk about it and to do something a little different. I mean, we, you know, we've done all kinds of film reviews on Filmstrip. We really have hit every bit of the bucket, I think. And this one represented something, or these two really represented heading into an area we don't really go into because when we review things, we actually try to go along that idea of the, the rating system. Is this better than I thought? Is this bad? Is it terrible? Is it good? You know, we, we've done everything from extra large to incredibly small burnt popcorns and going in, knowing they're going to be small popcorns is one thing, but can we find anything to talk about in them? And there's plenty to talk about in both of these films, uh, the room and after last season. So. I expected after last season to be bad. Mm-hmm. But it somehow managed to be worse than my expectation. <laughs> <laughs> that is when you know the recommendation for me has lived up to its charm. Did I not tell you those exact words? <laughs> that it would, you, you were not kidding. Yes. So, <laughs> that it would be the worst thing uh, you ever laid eyes on. So I, I have written down Manos, The Hands of Fate, and Birdemic as movies I need to now see. <laughs> well, I think eventually we should probably reconvene this little party and talk about those somewhere along the lines, too. But we got a lot of other cool stuff coming out before then. You know, with lots of cool reviews. Ron, you and I are going to take a trip through the 70s and the 80s, uh, as it were, with Dirty Harry coming up here this spring. Going to be our spring series, not because they're remaking it or anything like that, but just because, hey, are why they not? making Dirty Harry? No, they're not. That's what I'm saying. Okay. We're not leading into anything. We're just doing them, right? It'll be weird to watch good movies again. <laughs> it, it will be a different... T- look, at this point, the sequel to uh, Avenging Force is better than what we've watched the last two weeks. So we've got that coming up. Brian, you and I, of course, are always looking around doing different things. We're going to be doing Back to the Future this spring, though, and I know that's a big one for you, man. I love me some Back to the Future, and I know you don't like it so much, so oh, well, be good. I- I love the first one. The sequels, I have, you and I have had many online chats about them. So that, uh, <laughs> then we'll leave it at that till we get to that one. And then, of course, um, always more stuff coming down the pipeline, folks, here from Continuous Play. You can find all of our podcast adventures at continuousplaypodcast.com. So uh, click the link of your adventure. Uh, you uh, check out the uh, Art of Slaying, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. Uh, film Strip, of course, gets you to the movies. You can go to the Fabish Factor, general film and television discussion podcast there. And you can also find Brian's new podcast, newish podcast, Squared Circle Flashbacks, where we uh, talk about wrestling pay-per-views from years gone by that are on the WWE Network. Ron, we're going to have to drag you on there as our ECW expert at some point. Uh, so. I'm, I'm more than ready and willing to do that. <laughs> well, folks, thanks for joining us again. We do appreciate your support. Hook up with us on our social media, our Facebook and Twitter pages. Let us know what you think. And hey, if you've got a nominee for a worse movie than the two we've just talked about, bring it. That's all I can say. We're no promises we're going to do it, but if you want to recommend it to one of the hosts, we'll be glad to uh, at least give it a look and maybe we'll give it a pass on the, uh, the Facebook or the Twitter lines somewhere along the way. Until next time, for Brian and Ron, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17.